This is a VOFM special broadcast. The COVID Report Show, Monday to Thursday from 6 to 7 p.m. Exclusive to VOFM 88.1. Share it. On this edition of the COVID Report, we are taking a look at how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted that absolutely sacred period of mourning the loss of a loved one, burying a loved one with the dignity that they deserve, and arranging a funeral in the times of a COVID-19 lockdown. We will be in conversation with a connoisseur, so to speak, of African culture, theater practitioner, director, and writer, Sipumeza Kundai, is going to join us on the COVID Report to unpack the role that tradition and culture has to play in these times. Before we are joined by Sipumeza Kundai, we will be speaking to Gogon Po, who is a traditional healer. She'll be taking us through the impact of the new ways of doing things under COVID-19 in the African culture. We have seen that COVID-19 has changed how many things are done. There are more restrictive regulations that have been put in place by the government, which go against the way Africans conduct their funerals. Gogon Po, what is your take on the new regulations that have been put in place by the government? Togazani. Thank you very much for having me. As with African tradition, it requires that um, when a black person has passed, the family really would gather to discuss important rituals that are done within the family. For example, um, the Basutu tradition, the uncles would come from far, um, let's say in the mountains of Lesotho, far from where the deceased is. The person stays at the mortuary for a longer period of time, and now the family are processing and preparing for the funeral until the main uncle arrives and the, or the main aunt. So in Sisutu, the Malume or the Rakhadi, um, they act as, they call it Sitari. They play a pivotal role and create some sort of uh, rite of passage. They will be giving instructions. Um, as a result, uh, we always get angry that these uncles um, or aunts uh, we are waiting for don't even come um, with money. But nonetheless, um, nothing can go on without them. That is one of the restrictions that COVID-19 has on funerals because this uncle or aunt cannot be there to do the formal tradition requirements. And those traditional requirements would be giving instructions from a traditional point of view. Um, for example, on the Thursday, there would be a goat that needs to be slaughtered. This goat serves uh, the purpose of uniting the deceased with the ancestors. This, in a way, sends a signal to the ancestors that the deceased spirit is on his or her way. And these can the ancestors receive him or her with a warm welcome and so that the soul crosses over peacefully. If it happens that the uncle cannot get to where the deceased person is, the uncle's uh, child can be sent as a representative, although can be a boy child. Another restriction that COVID-19 has on funerals is travel. Those that come from far cannot travel to where the funeral will be held. If coming from a different province, for example, or country, now they have to go to the police station to request a travel permit with another contributing factor, which could be that the death certificate has not yet been issued or released, which now poses a time delay. After the Thursday ritual, this is done by the uncle, the deceased's body has to be washed or rather cleansed with specific herbs known by the family, or which could be specific to a particular clan. Once the cleansing of the body is done, um, the deceased needs to be dressed. Some families will dress the deceased in their favorite outfit or in the uh, calico cloth, which is a cloth to dress, to dress or wrap the deceased. Now, this is our culture and our custom. 
then what happens on Friday before the funeral is that a cow has to meet the deceased at the gate of the home. The cow's skin will be used to wrap the person inside the coffin or the coffin itself will be wrapped by the cow's skin when the deceased enters the home. Now, what the COVID-19 situation implies is that if you did not see the deceased at the hospital, that's it really. We therefore are unable to see the deceased person um, and we miss out on seeing the person, cleansing the person and dressing the person up. Others are used um, to doing a guard of honor from the street corner to the home. Literally, due to COVID-19, the body goes straight from the mortuary, going straight to the graveyard. Another point is that on Friday, families do a night vigil. And when you look at spirituality, we ask for your spirit to rest well and cross over peacefully into the ancestral world. COVID-19 does not allow us to do a night vigil. We have a specific um, ceremonies for the deceased, whether you fall under the Apostle, ZCC, or Zion congregation. Um, so we cannot do all of these things. As a result, we are then creating a generation or country of children that are going to be bothered going forward by ancestors that come back and demand things from the generations going forward, that these rituals were not done. And remember, the dead people don't know and don't care about corona. They want what they want. And that's the reason uh, people will come consult in our Ndumbas seeking for guidance. Um, the coronavirus has affected us and our traditions and how we do things. And it has created a lost society that is going into a future as much as our children or as much as our families understood certain principles. Um, now it's going to be an issue of them thinking that the way in which things were done regarding the funeral was right. For example, there are currently no night vigils, there are no cleansing of the body. Families find themselves buying meat from the butchery to feed the people attending. They won't understand why they should buy a cow now. Um, and the unfortunate thing is that us who are living and experiencing the effects of COVID will be long gone and deceased. And the now generation of children will be lost and have nowhere to turn to uh, but traditional healers to seek guidance. Because this way will come back to haunt them um, and their offspring. So um, in essence, as spiritual and traditional healers, uh, we are really hoping that the government or society could allow traditionalists or African healers to explain this openly and publicly um, and have debates about it so that we do not lose our communities and we do not lose our people. Our people need to understand what this means and how certain things can be done. Thank you. Togoza Koko, thank you very much for expounding on that for us. Is it possible to consider when, when you take a look at all of these restrictions and how they've impacted various traditional practices that you as a practicing traditional healer covet among others, when you take a look at all of those and put that into consideration and you take a look at the restrictions that were put in place by government, is it possible that the government put these restrictions in place from a place of not knowing the importance of these traditional practices? Um, thank you. Um, I doubt very much thought was given um, to that aspect of things. I think in their way of managing the situation, it was more about um, safety first and following the regulations. But it is a conversation that needs to be had. It's something that needs to be addressed uh, because we will be facing um, this type of situation um, in the future. Togoza Gogo, very, a very frightening picture of what the ramifications could be of the current way we are conducting things. But can I ask then, 
How has your experience as a traditional healer been during this time? Has it affected the ways you've worked with your clients, the ways you've conducted your business? Has it, outside of the funerals alone, as a traditional healer, has it changed your practice? Absolutely. Yes, it has changed um, the way I'm currently um, running things um, within the practice. For example, I have seen a large increase in number of um, consultations being requested telephonically via WhatsApp via uh, normal phone calls. Um, so I don't have as much inflow of people coming through into the Ndumba. Um, and um, even with uh, prescribed treatments um, that would come out of that particular consultations, um, you'll find that uh, previously, um, you know, with the restrictions around uh, travel, for example, I have a wide range of clients coming from uh, different uh, provinces. So that also impacted them um, not being able to come through to receive the required treatment for their healing. Um, so that has kind of put things on hold. It has delayed the process. Um, and they are continuing to deal with um, uh, the unfortunate situations that they are going through um, until they are able to travel to come see me. Again, another another glaring indication of the the domino effect of the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic and just how systematically it it, it affects uh, businesses by businesses, uh, almost level by level, so to speak. And um, it, it, like you rightly said, it does render certain... Um, certain individuals, certain sectors, it renders them helpless because um, in a situation where they have to render services to people who need to travel from point A to where these services can be rendered, that's been um, that's been deemed impossible now, thanks in part to uh, level five of lockdown and uh, not much of a difference between level five and level four. In uh, in closing, uh, from me is uh, essentially Gogo. Um, as far as the ways in which the pandemic has has impacted our lives, um, tr- as far as how it's, how it's affected your your traditional healing practice, how it's affected the lives of your clients, how it's affected the lives of those who need to who may need to bury a loved one during uh, this difficult time, the restrictions of uh, funerals only being allowed to be attended by no more than 50 people at a time, the outlawing, so to speak, of night vigils, which are such an important part of the mourning process, and all of the other, um, all of the other ways in which the impact of this pandemic has manifested on our lives. Is it imperative, is it even more imperative now to appeal to the powers that be to look at preserving um, our culture, preserving our identity as Africans in times as tricky as this pandemic, and how can uh, how how can that how how can that plea be relayed to um, to 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 those in power without necessarily breaking their laws, without necessarily um, disobeying uh, their regulations? How can we make uh, the the powers that be aware of the importance of these African of these traditional practices that that so many of us hold sacred and dear to our hearts and the need for these practices to continue going on even or or to find a way to continue going on in these tricky times that we're in. Um, thank you for that. Um, I think the most critical and important aspect there is engagement. 
Um, if, if there could just be some sort of uh, engagement uh, with traditional healers um, in aspects when they make uh, such decisions and regulations, um, because there has to be some sort of communication or awareness around what the implications would be. Um, so engagement in those platforms where they make such decisions, um, you know, engagements where there's debates around um, such um, uh, regulations uh, and what it means um, in a traditional or spiritual world um, if things are actually not done. Um, so this actually needs to be uh, spoken about uh, and actually um, documented somewhere because at the end of the day, um, as I've mentioned, um, the future generation and their offspring will definitely go through the most, um, not knowing where to turn to or who to go to for guidance. Um, so um, we need to really, really, really appeal um, to the government um, and those that hold um, the decision uh, making to actually consider um, involving traditional healers in um, their engagements at that higher level. That was Ugogo Mupedi on the COVID report, chatting to us about the difficulties that um, come with conducting funerals in this uh, difficult time of a COVID-19 pandemic, as well as the difficulty of uh, practicing traditional healing as a whole. We unpacked the potential for the lack of consultation from a government level to traditional healers. And uh, we have come to the consensus, I believe, that a, a a higher degree of engagement is needed, a higher degree of uh, communication between traditional healers and the powers that be is needed as a consultation be, uh, between the two parties as it pertains to how to go about carrying on this absolutely essential business in these times of a COVID-19 pandemic. Gogo, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to us here on the COVID report. Thank you for the eye-opening insight that you've provided. And I hope that, uh, I, I hope that your, your work continues. It can continue. And I hope we reach a point where these matters won't be so taboo. I think. So one more time, Gokumpo, thank you so much for chatting to us here on the COVID Report. Thank you for inviting me and allowing me to share our traditions with you and the listeners. Tweet us at Bowerfair. Hashtag the COVID Report Show. Welcome back to the COVID Report. You're still with Kamele Shokwapovana, joined by Usposiche Mbuli. We're still forging ahead with our discussion around how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted the tradition and the custom of funerals in this country. Joining us to facilitate this discussion, uh, and I'm not going to say any of these things because she's a very good friend of mine, she is a connoisseur, so to speak, of African cultures. Her work as a theater practitioner, a director, and a writer has uh, seen her travel to many parts of the African continent. Uh, we are joined on the COVID report at this time by Ms. Sipumeze Kundai. Sipumeze, welcome to the COVID report, and thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day to chat to us. Thank you for having me. I'd like to ask you as our, as our first question of proceedings, from your experiences traveling to the many African countries you've visited, can you paint a picture? of how this pandemic has negatively impacted the important process of mourning as per our customs in South Africa and by by extension the uh, the rest of the continent. Mm. Um so I mean it's so different depending on where you are on the continent. 
Um, we have so many different rituals, but I would say that the one that's been affected the most is the gathering, the gathering of people together. Um, but in terms of actual customs, um, it, they're not dependent on how many people need to be gathered into a space. Um, they're not dependent on, on you um, interacting with a lot of people. So you can do a ritual with just you and the immediate family. Like that sort of stuff is fine. But when you look at the funerals, we like to gather people. We like to feed people. Um, so those things have been affected the most. And you speak of the effect of what this has done in in the numbers of gatherings and how we gather. In your opinion, do you think this is going to be a long-lasting change? Has it now changed forever as we know it? Or do you think that after corona there will be a time when we do go back to gathering? Or has corona set the new standard of how funerals will be done and how we gather as people and how we mourn? Mm, I suppose I think that depends on how long this lasts. We don't know how long it's going to last, but I don't think it takes just a couple of months to change how we do things. Um, I mean, if if it lasts as long as people say, like there are rumors about it lasting up until September, I don't think that would change anything. But if it was to last years and years, I think people would begin to change things. Um, and how they gather, how they do the rituals, maybe a lot less people, maybe only immediate family would start being the only ones part of the rituals um, and stuff like that. But at this moment, no, it doesn't take months to change a ritual. It doesn't take months to change customs. So I think we're still fine. Interesting indeed. Now, I'm, I'm curious, are there, would you say there are any parallels between South African tradition when it comes to the custom of burying a loved one and how other African uh, cultures navigate this process? Any parallels? Um, so in Kenya, for example, they would look at it in a more of a Christian perspective because the country is dominated by Christianity. Um, here we are dominated by mainly our traditional customs. So those would be different. So the prayers, the getting priests involved, I think is similar as well. Um, but uh, in Kenya, they may not slaughter as much, but even the slaughtering would be more for, for food, you know, and not necessarily to ancestors. It would be, okay, cool. Let's slaughter a goat. They love goats there. So let's slaughter a goat for the the feeding all of the people who are coming to the funeral. We slaughter goats to create passage um, for the people who are passing. So, yeah, I think it depends on on where in the continent you are and what the dominant religious practices are um, in, 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 that, in that context. But most of the time, I think it's just the gathering people together and um, the sending off of the person is very, very similar. Very similar things between the different cultures on the continent and in South Africa. So earlier on, we had traditional healer Gogo Mpomopedi on the show talking to us about government needing to engage traditional healers more vigorously on the measures they would take to combat the spread of COVID-19. If, we'll, if one were to argue that the restrictions placed on the funerals and the mourning process and the ritual and the gathering were prejudicial to those who practiced particular cultures, do you believe that there would be sufficient evidence to support this argument of prejudice? No, I don't think so. I think our government right now is trying to handle the situation as best as they can. Um, There are a lot of people who unfortunately fall through the cracks because of how informal 
their practice seems to be. And I think our traditional healers fall into that practice as well. It's seen as very, very informal and therefore falling through the cracks in terms of how to to um, deal with the issues that they're facing right now. Maybe the lack of meeting customers, um, the difficulty of meeting customers, sorry. Um, other industries that are being affected that nobody's really thinking about to the other barber shops, you know, the people who cut our hair, we don't think about them either because of how informal the the practice is the, the or the sector is, you know, so I don't think it's necessarily a, pre- a prejudice thing. Artists are also being affected by it. Um, so I don't think it's a prejudice thing. I think it's more of a difficulty locating the more informal practices and being able to deal with the issues that come up for the people who are in those practices. This, uh, this is an eye-opening um, perspective on it. Uh, thank you very much for that, Pumiz. I think, uh, finally, for me, with COVID-19 now being an unavoidable part of all of our lives, as it pertains to African culture and tradition, how how can they, um, if at all, adapt to the current circumstances? Is it a situation of certain customs and rituals needing to evolve? Um, do we need to find a different way of doing things, or can we fight to preserve the way we've always done things in spite of the times that we're all currently in? Mm. See, that's a difficult question, that fun, because our cultures have evolved so much over time, so I don't know what this always done looks like you know we've changed so many things over time for various reasons so i don't know i think the question that we need to be asking ourselves is what do we want to change and what do we want to move forward with because our cultures have changed so much we don't know what the original way of doing things is and i don't think we're meant to make to retain the original way of doing things as we change as our societies change we change along with them and therefore our customs change along with us you know um but that being said i again i don't think that covid is going to last or i hope it's not going to last long enough for it to have lasting effects on any of our practices and at this moment, the only way they are being affected is the ability to gather. And the ability to gather is not rooted in, in, in the core of our practices. So we can practice on our own. If you want to pass out to your ancestors, you don't need a group of people to do that. You sit in your home, you light your bepo, you do it by yourself. So I think the core of it is, is very, very solid and it won't take changing our ability to gather to change that. But at the same time, we need to look at what we want to shift around. If we feel like there's something that needs to shift, then what that would look like for us as individuals. Because, again, our practices are different depending on who you are, depending on what your grandmother told you, what your great-grandmother told you, what your mother was told by somebody else. You know, how we how we pass on these practices has changed so much over time that my closeness is not somebody else's closeness. You know, how I choose to speak to my ancestors is not someone, another closer person's way of speaking to their ancestors. So there's so many beauties in our room, so much with them. So I think the question we want to do during this time.
such a great perspective of looking at it that our customs aren't purely and solely dependent on these things that we might have temporarily lost, lose, but rather our culture is much rooted and our customs are much rooted in individuals and in our, in our abilities to be and speak and do what we need to be done. And that was Sipumeza Kundai, a theater practitioner, writer, director who has traveled most of Africa exploring different cultures and customs, sharing with us her take on what the impact of COVID-19 has been on our traditions and customs. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, guys. How was it possible in the time of corona to bury loved ones when you're not even allowed to travel every day or cross provinces? Today, we took a practical take on the funeral planning and how it goes about, and we asked people to share their own experiences. I can say that it was a bad and a good experience. I'll start with the good part. The good part is that you don't have to prepare much food that we usually do. Remember, we only cater for 50 people, family included in there. So what what good about that was that I could see that they were adhering to that COVID-19 regulation, whereby minimum people should be 50. And what I like most about the pasta, it was also adhering to the regulations because remember you're only given an hour, 30 minutes for service and 30 minutes at the burial site. And after the coffin goes down, what you're supposed to do, you just leave and people will be left behind, whoever who does that, to just, you know, cover the coffin with the soil. Everybody goes home and when they reach home, Remember, our, our norm is that we wash the hands, but now they don't do that. There's a sanitizer where they sanitize each and every person. And remember, not everyone is allowed inside the yard, only family members. Those who, who accompany the people, they just take their pre-prepared food, which are packed in those foam plates. They take them after sanitizing their hands and they go home. That's a good part because there's a lot of savings involved because don't have to cook much. The bad experience was that we Africans, you know that we are used to a lot of people, we are used to those cultures and everything. It was a bit sad to see that people just have to take food and go and then only one hour is scheduled for the service and therefore the burial. And it's like no, it's something that was not we're not used to. So it's a little bit sad, especially for you know the bereaving family, whereby they just have only those few minutes with their deceased, and it's not usually like that in our black culture. So I can say, oh, I can just say that that's a bad culture, but that's a bad about that. But anyway, I think with the lockdown, we're going to learn lots of things, and I think we'll be more sensitive and more compassionate if we just adhere to the rules and we get used to them because at the moment there's nothing that we can do. We just need to stay safe and save lots of lives. My sister passed on just a few hours before we got on to 11.5 lockdown. It, uh, it was a bit of a challenge to do funeral arrangements. For starters, she passed on on a Thursday and we could not get a death certificate. Uh, we had to wait until Monday for us to to get the death certificate. And then um, 
Upon receiving the death certificates, obviously we had to arrange with the church. It was a bit of a challenge with the church as well because there was an instruction from uh, uh, South African Council of Churches to say uh, churches should be closed because if they are not closed, they are going to encourage us to gather in large numbers. So we are not allowed to go to church to have our funeral service at church. And again, it was also a challenge because we were also not permitted to set up a tent at home for us to have that uh, that service. So it was quite challenging. Um, over and above that, what was a bit of a major challenge was that we had to um, manage number number of attendees. So legislation dictated that we had to be 50. Therefore, we tried to put together a list of attendees to check if we can manage the numbers to be within the prescribed uh, number. However, it was a bit of a challenge, a bit of a challenge because only family was above 50. So other people outside family who phoned and showed interest of uh, wanting to attend the funeral, we had to openly tell them that due to um, the COVID-19 legislation related to funerals, unfortunately, we understand that you want to to support us, console us. However, we cannot be able to add you onto the list. So... Um, we then went to the graveyard. At the graveyard, the police officers were there, and then um, they counted number of attendees, and those that uh, were there that were not on the list, um, unfortunately, they could not attend. Only about 50 people were permitted to uh, get access into the graveyard and the other people were were locked outside the graveyard. Uh, Because we could not go to church, we could not have a service at at home, we had a one-hour service at the graveyard, and then the police officers attended uh, the funeral with us for the entire um, hour they were with us. We provided the sanitizers for all the um, attendees, and then we had a very short... uh, a program so that we can at least try to fit in everything within the the one hour. We 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 are not used to that kind of um, you know conducting funerals. It was a new thing to us, um, and if you look at it, you know, uh, because it's something that we haven't really adjusted to. It felt like it aggravated the the pain of losing. A loved one. If you were to ask me whether this is the way to go, I honestly, I must say, I'm, I'm not sure. Cause in terms of expenses, yes, we didn't spend much compared to if we were to allow everyone to attend. Because my family is a family from a Christian background. Obviously, we're going to have large numbers to attend the funeral. Therefore, uh, in terms of expenses, I must say, we spend less compared if we were to have a, funeral, a normal funeral. This installment of the COVID report engaged a robust conversation around the regulations that have been implemented for funerals and what really it means to bury a loved one 
during a pandemic and a pandemic that has brought the whole world to a halt. And should you be bearing a loved one during this time, some things you should note about the regulations include should you be traveling out of province, out of district, out of region, it is required that you get a permit from either the station commander at the police station or a magistrate to certify your attendance to this funeral. Absolutely. It is also imperative to note that the attendees at this funeral cannot and do not exceed the number of 50. I must stress that this includes funeral parlor staff. So your guest list, when you put it together, must account for how many members of the funeral parlor staff need to be in attendance, and you'll um, lodge your guest list accordingly. And furthermore, no night vigils can be conducted the night before or any nights before the funeral, and the night before no night vigils at all, pretty shockingly enough. But South Africa is not alone during this time and is not the only country that has restricted funerals. Australia restricted the number of attendees at a funeral to no more than two, 10 people. And New Zealand has banned funerals completely. And the UK as well has followed suits and limited the attendance to funerals to spouses, partners, parents, carers, siblings, children and grandchildren. So our restrictions are not obscure, but should be followed. No, absolutely. And I believe that perfectly encapsulates um, everything we've been talking about on the show today, how as much as as much as we may feel uh, impacted by these times and the restrictions that this pandemic has placed on our way of life, it is evident that it's it's impacted other parts of the world in many in many ways that are similar to ours. So I do believe, um, based purely on that and the conversations we've had, uh, we uh, were we, we were graced by uh, the presence of uh, my very good friend Pumeza Kundai, a theatre practitioner, a uh, director and a writer who has travelled bits and uh, pieces of the African continent and sampled uh, many different African cultures, giving a valuable insight on how the custom and the tradition and the ritual aspect of burying a loved one doesn't necessarily have to be compromised by these times. And there are ways to honor the dignity of um, the loved one that you are laying to rest in a way that does not have to um, lead you into contravention of any regulations that are placed um, upon us the longer this fight against the COVID-19 pandemic lasts. And before Sipumezo joined us, we were joined by Gogom Pomopedi, a spiritual and traditional healer who shared how some of our customs and traditions have taken slight cha- strain during the pandemic and has slightly changed and the concerns she had around the everlasting effects of the changes experienced during this time. I think all in all, this was an informative and great show. Absolutely. My two favorite buzzwords, insightful and eye-opening. And I thank you, uh, I thank you for uh, joining me and helping me uh, dissect all of this as we always do together. I thank you for joining us for this edition of the COVID Report. Thank you so much for continuing to support us on the podcast. 